Hello world, this is Roger Corvale and this is For the Hope. Here we read through the Bible conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in his world. You ready? Let's roll. Welcome. Say this to yourself today, or hear it from me. God's mercies are new every morning. Frankly, I am quite literally right at the moment in tears at his blessings. Thank you to you listeners who have shared, and as you will hear, today is a day of new beginnings in a way. Hey, Hopeful, welcome to For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible, where we daily dive into God's story and consider our own stories in light of his, including what we're going to touch on very briefly in our closing reflection segment today, newness and beauty in light of crazy Old Testament stories. Picking up first, though, in our New Testament segment, yesterday we heard that one of Matthew's themes is that the Christ, the Messiah, would be for all nations, even as he challenged people to realize that 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 is for those who acknowledge him as Lord, and some of his own people would not. Well, after that genealogy where Matthew's going, going yo, this is the dude, Matthew chapter 2 interestingly includes a repeated mention of Herod, and this is in contrast to Jesus, and a big contrast between Jesus and, or in Herod and the Magi. Remember, the Magi were probably Persian astrologers, an interesting group, to acknowledge Jesus as the Christ, as the Messiah, even as political and religious leaders didn't. Matthew chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born King of the Jews? For we saw his star at its rising and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed and, and all Jerusalem with him. So he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people and asked them where the Messiah would be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because that is what was written by the prophet. When he said, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. When you find him, report back to me so that I too can go worship him. After hearing the king, they went on their way. And there it was, the star they had seen at its rising. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. Oh, for my friends in Canada, I should say root, right? <laughs> and for plenty of you who are not in Canada. All right. 
That's what we do here. We keep it real. After they were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Get up, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to kill him. So Joseph got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and escaped to Egypt. He stayed there until Herod's death, so that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled when he said, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he realized that he had been outwitted by the wise men, flew into a rage. He gave orders to massacre all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, in keeping with the time he had learned from the wise men. Then what was spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and she refused to be consoled because they are no more. Ooh, that one got me. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, because those who intended to kill the child are dead. So he got up, took the children and his mother, and entered the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the region of Galilee. Then he went and settled in a town called Nazareth to fulfill what was spoken through the prophets, that he would be called a Nazarene. And my friends, that is... Matthew chapter 2. Well, how's that for a new beginning? Right? I don't know about you. I was born in Illinois, raised in the Pacific Northwest, kind of well, raised around the world, and I think of myself as an Oregonian. And here's kind of Jesus, born in Bethlehem, then spent some time in Egypt, and then in Nazarene. I don't know. I find that interesting. Of course, in a way, it wasn't new at all. But in a different way, there was, in a very real sense, an ushering in of newness and grace as God with us, God incarnate, entered our history. Now, interestingly, as we turn back to our Old Testament segment, we actually take a step back in a really rare way to a specific date. Today, we're going to read about something that happened on January 15th, 588 BC. And this is that very day, which is when the Babylonians began their siege of Jerusalem. And the Lord gave Ezekiel a parable illustrating the city's downfall, which sadly kind of also ends chapter 24 with something pretty sad. Today, Ezekiel 24 marks the end of a long beginning of the book of Ezekiel, speaking to a time of mourning and the coming downfall of Jerusalem. And then we'll just turn into chapter 25, which marks a new beginning of sorts in a surprising sort of way. Ezekiel chapter 24. The word of the Lord came to me in the ninth year, in the tenth month, on the tenth day of the month. Son of man, write down today's date this very day. The king of Babylon has laid siege to Jerusalem this very day. 
Now speak a parable to the rebellious house. Tell them, this is what the Lord God says. Put a pot on the fire, put it on, and then pour water into it. Place the pieces of meat in it, every good piece, thigh and shoulder. Fill it with choice bones. Take the choicest of the flock and also pile up the fuel under it. Bring it to a boil and cook the bones in it. Therefore, this is what the Lord God says. Woe to the city of bloodshed, the pot that has corrosion inside it, and its corrosion has not come out of it. Empty it piece by piece. Lots should be cast not lots should not be cast for its contents, for the blood she shed is still within her. She put it out on the bare rock, and she didn't pour it on the ground to cover it with dust. In order to stir up wrath and take vengeance, I have put her blood on the bare rock so that it would not be covered. Therefore, this is what the Lord God says. Woe to this city of bloodshed. I myself will make a pile of kindling large. Pile on the logs and kindle the fire. Cook the meat well and mix in the spices. Let the bones be burned. Set the empty pot on its coals so that it becomes hot and its copper glows. Then its impurity will melt inside it. Its corrosion will be consumed. It has frustrated every effort. Its thick corrosion will not come off. Into the fire with its corrosion. Because of the depravity of your uncleanness, since I tried to purify you, but you would not be purified from your uncleanness, you will not be pure again until I have satisfied my wrath on you. I, the Lord, have spoken. It is coming, and I will do it. I will not refrain, I will not show pity, and I will not relent. I will judge you according to your ways and deeds. This is the declaration of the Lord God. Next section. Gets even sadder here. Then the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, I am about to take the delight of your eyes away from you with a fatal blow. You must not lament or weep or let your tears flow. My friends, did you hear what he just said? Ezekiel, you're going to be a sign for the people. Your very life is going to be a sign. Your wife is going to die and you don't get to lament. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, I'm about to take the delight of your eyes away from you with a fatal blow. But you must not lament or weep or let your tears flow. Groan quietly. Do not observe mourning rites for the dead. Put on your turban and strap your sandals on your feet. Do not cover your mustache or eat the bread of mourners. I spoke to the people in the morning and my wife died in the evening. The next morning I did just as I was commanded. And then the people asked me, won't you tell us what these things you are doing mean for us? So I answered them. The word of the Lord came to me. Say to the house of Israel, this is what the Lord God says. I am about to desecrate my sanctuary, the pride of your power, the delight of your eyes and the desire of your heart. Also, the sons and daughters you left behind will fall by the sword. Then you will do just as I have done, 
You will not cover your mustache or eat the bread of mourners. Your turbans will remain on your heads and your sandals on your feet. You will not lament or weep, but will waste away because of your iniquities and will groan to one another. Now Ezekiel will be a sign for you. You will do everything that he has done. When this happens, you will know that I am the Lord God. As for you, son of man, know that on that day I will take from them their stronghold, their pride and joy, the delight of their eyes and the longing of their hearts, as well as their sons and daughters. On that day, a fugitive will come to you and report the news. On that day, your mouth will be opened to talk with him. You will speak and no longer be mute. So you will be a sign for them, and they will know that I am the Lord. My friends, that is chapter 24. Now, trust me, we're going to begin chapter 25, and it may not sound quite like you were hoping, (laughs) but sit tight with me to the end of our program today. Chapter 25. Then the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, face the Ammonites and prophesy against them. Say to the Ammonites, Hear the word of the Lord God, This is what the Lord God says. Because you said, Aha! About my sanctuary when it was desecrated? About the land of Israel when it was laid waste? And about the house of Judah when they went into exile? Therefore, I am about to give you to the people of the east as a possession. They will set up their encampments and pitch their tents among you. They will eat your fruit and drink your milk. I will make Rabah a pasture for camels and Ammon a resting place for sheep then you will know that I am the Lord. For this is what the Lord God says, because you clapped your hands, stamped your feet, and rejoiced over the land of Israel with wholehearted contempt, therefore I am about to stretch out my hand against you and give you as plunder to the nations. I will cut cut you off from the peoples and eliminate you from the countries. I will destroy you, and you will know that I am the Lord. Next section. This is what the Lord God says, because Moab and Seir said, Look, the house of Judah is like all the other nations. Therefore, I am about to expose Moab's flank, beginning with its frontier cities, the splendor of the land, Beth Jeshemoth, Baal Maon, and Kiriath Haim. And I will give it along with Ammon to the people of the east as a possession, so that Ammon will not be remembered among the nations. So I will execute judgments against Moab, They will know that I am the Lord. Last one, my friends. This is what the Lord God says, because Edom acted vengefully against the house of Judah and incurred grievous guilt by taking revenge on them. Therefore, this is what the Lord God says, I will stretch out my hand against Edom and cut off both people and animals from it. I will make it a wasteland. They will fall by the sword from Teman to Dedan. I will take my vengeance on Edom through my people Israel, and they will deal with Edom according to my anger and wrath, so they will know my vengeance. This is the declaration of the Lord God. And my friends, that gets us up through chapter 25, verse 14. My friends, why would prophecy pronouncing judgment be a sign for hope. My friends, I'm going to do the reflection segment right now, and we're going to close with a psalm. 
Why would this be a sign of hope? After all, we are all about hope here, and we are for the hope. <laughs> After all, well, some of you longtime listeners will have heard this way too much, but it's worth repeating. Biblical hope isn't woo-woo wishing, right? Like, I hope I win the lottery. It's confidence in the object in which it's placed, right? What, or rather, who is the object of hope? Me? I fail and I repent and I suck and I repent and I... (laughs) But Jesus, he's not just the king of the world come to seek and save the lost, but from our standpoint in 2022, we have verifiable history and more evidence than ever, than any other people in history of the world that the most important thing in the timeline of the cosmos actually happened. Jesus rose from the dead. If he didn't, then we are left to the utter hopelessness of existence that is nothing more than time plus matter plus chance. But if he did, that changes everything. And I mean everything. What we just read in Ezekiel 25 sound like prophecies against various nations who have earned judgment, and that's true, right? But in a way, that's just like what you and I earn without Jesus. Remember John 3.16? We love that part, right? Catch what Jesus says right after it. For God so loved the world, or God loved the world in this way, he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. We like that part. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned. We like that part, don't we? But but Jesus continues. But anyone who does not believe is already condemned. My friend, scripture is clear. God wants to bless us, but not everyone wants his blessing. So if God doesn't intervene, we're destined for doom anyway, like we just read at the end of Ezekiel 24. I will judge you according to your ways and deeds, right? This is just description of what's <laughs> what happens when people turn their back on God. But that's not his heart. He loves us more than that. In fact, he loves us to the point of laying down his life. And don't you wish you had a husband or a wife or a friend who would love you that much? So we're going to end today with our wisdom segment. And I want you to pray this with me. I mean, really. And not just with me and not just for yourself, but for every Jesus follower in the world right now having a hard time dealing with wayward kids or dealing with a boss who doesn't understand or dealing with the fact that your earthly father was evil or dealing with a neighboring tribe who still wants to take a machete to your neck. Psalm 85, in Psalm 85, you're going to hear the problem that the people faced is actually unclear, and yet they pray in an optimistic way, sure of God's help for his love that is unfailing. Psalm 85, for the choir director, a psalm of the sons of Korah. Lord, you showed favor to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave your people's guilt. You covered all their sin. Selah. 
You withdrew all your fury. You turned from your burning anger. Return to us, God of our salvation, and abandon your displeasure with us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger for all generations? Will you not revive us again so that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your faithful love, Lord, and give us your salvation. I will listen to what God will say. Surely the Lord will declare peace to his people, his faithful ones, and not let them go back to his to foolish ways. His salvation is very near to those who fear him, so that glory may dwell in our land. Faithful love and truth will join together. Righteousness and peace will embrace. Truth will spring up from the earth and righteousness will look down from heaven. Also, the Lord will provide what is good and our land will yield its crops. Righteousness will go before him to prepare the way for his steps. My friends, if you don't see Jesus as all of that, (laughs) I have failed as a podcast host. And the beauty, trust me here, the beauty of all this crazy stuff in the Old Testament is that over and over, we see that God has not only made promises, but he delivers on every single one faithfully. I love you, my friends. Amen. Amen.